Let's start the show. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Yeah. Here we go. It's the intro. Gonna feel the intro. About to go down. It's going down for real. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Life Speaks. Welcome, I am your welcome. host. Uh, Luis Perez, a.k.a. you know, Guicho Breach, a.k.a. Demon Killer, <laughs> yeah. and uh, this is my co-host, Casey Case, Casey Case, Casey Valdez, straight out of where? Straight out of Tennessee, you know what's up, <laughs> straight out of Tennessee, not Tennessee. Memphis 10, amen, and, uh, and so here we are with our next episode of conversations let's give a shout out to 510 architecture and design yes, before we so get to that first we need to shout out our sponsors 510 architecture and design um anything you need regarding architecture and design my brother daniel's got you and uh yes. you see his information there on the screen yes um also too want to uh, mention the choosing hope foundation and uh, you've heard it before through the other episodes. Choosing Hope Foundation is primarily, but not entirely, rooted yet, uh, in the prison ministry, then into the parole ministry, um, and from there it extends into different facets of of people's lives, trying to get them back on track. Homelessness, battered women, drug addiction. Um, things of that sort, and just working with these families, these men, women, people, children, and helping them uh, get them uh, their lives yeah. situated back into society and doing whatever we can, not just through the church, uh, preaching Christ, salvation, repentance, deliverance, things Amen. of uh, that are that are part of that, but also working with them to help them get established, and that's what the Choosing Hope Foundation, if you want to partner with us, um, uh, we will have a, a donation button on soon. the website soon um, so that you can partner with us and invest into this vision, um, and also want to mention the Potter's House Christian Church. That is a church that we're a part of. Uh, Praise God. Potter's House Christian Church, GRA, Greater Randolph area, uh, located in Universal City. And, of course, our Fellowship Christian Fellowship Ministry, CFM. And so all these sponsors together uh, uh, is what works uh, to keep this podcast going. And, of course, uh, your participation and your investments, things of that sort. Yes. And uh, and it's, it means a lot. And we rely heavily on that. And so today. Thank we, you for all the viewers. Yes. Thank you so much. Views and all everybody subscribers and all likes. those who did the thumbs down. Uh, it's okay. We, know, we coming, got haters. We know we're doing something <laughs> hey, good. All everybody who did the thumbs down and we coming for you. Yeah. And, uh, right. you know, and we're going to find you out a who thumbs you are. Down. We're going to find out who you are, man. I'm talking about peoples after you. No, yeah. just joking. Um, but we got a lot of great support. A lot of great feedback regarding uh, what we're doing with these podcasts and people asking when is the next one going to drop. And so don't forget, share these please, videos. Please do. Pass them. You, we all know people who need help, people who are struggling, Praise people God. that are going through stuff. Pass them around. Uh, let people know. Share them. You know, of course, subscribe, like, favorite, all that stuff. And uh, people need to know that there's hope. And that uh, God can move upon their lives and the way they're living. That's not the way it has to be. There can be change. No, and so, and we're all a product of that. You know, we've heard Casey's story 
and uh, you don't know my story. You'll never know my story. Uh, <laughs> we'll hear it one day. day. <laughs> we'll hear it one, one day. day. It's a very short story. <laughs> um, and uh, but you know that's what we're about, and we have a lot of a lot of great things uh, in store for the show for the podcast. And so, just want to remind you of that. Anything else, Casey? That I'm missing out. Uh, praise God. Come to church. Come to church. We're here. Oh, and yeah, I mean, so drop us a comment. Yes. If you need to come. You yes. need to come to church. You need to get your heart right. Hey, we know the perfect place to do it. So come and do it. So our church is located in Universal City, Texas, uh, 2025 Universal City Boulevard. Um, you know someone that needs help. You need someone that that is struggling. Link them up with us so that we can work with them. Reach out to them. Help them. And uh, and you know the the testimonies you hear on the show are proof yes. that you know what 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 we do what what we do in our fellowship as a church what God can do through Jesus through the blood that was shed through the foundation through our efforts you know it works yes. and and people need to know that there's hope for them and uh, you know one of the things that we didn't mention before Casey that I wanted to kind of tell you we we're talking about this at the uh, at the marriage retreat was one of the things that we want to work with and help is 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 a suicide prevention one of the things that we've had yes we've dealt with that is a big uh, issue especially yes. among teenagers nowadays and what well, in teenagers and adults and so we've seen several sides of the spectrum and so one of the things that we want to focus with this foundation the choosing home foundation too is to work to help in the sense of suicide prevention and i mean you know, in Praise regards God. in regards to suicide, we have stories about things that were, were like tragic things. It's like we could have helped, could have been helped, and we want to focus on that as well. And so, so just want to throw that out there. You know, anyone reach yes. out. You're not alone. Know. You're not alone out there and stuff. Anything else, Casey? Uh, man, we got a, we got a powerful testimony right here tonight. So we have a powerful, right powerful testimony powerful. here tonight. And um, so we have with us tonight uh, Miss Angela Tarin. And say hi, Angela. Hi. <laughs> hey, Miss Angela. She's a little bit camera shy, yeah. but listen. Um, so, uh, Miss Angela, I've known Angela for a while now. It's been a few years. How long have I known you, Angela? Four years. Four years. And Angela is a product, a blessing, a product of the parole ministry. I met her at parole. Parolees, and, where you at? Uh, and so, yeah, shout out to all the parolees. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's still hope for you. She yeah. I met her at parole. Do you remember when we met at parole? Um, it's whenever you went to go speak to us. Remember how? I mean, do you remember what year it was? It was twenty. 20- 2017. 2017, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, she came out to church, was here, and uh, you know, as things have progressed, um, you know, she, you know, powerful, powerful testimony that we want you to hear. But I believe is filled with hope for your life, and um, and I pray that God really helps you and uh, and stirs you uh, to look and search for that hope and know that you know what there is there is something out there different and better for your yes. life. And so, Angela, just real quick, um, as we get into this, I want you just to share um, a little bit about your childhood. What was it like growing up, Angela, in in, in Pecos? Growing up in Pecos, um, it was real bad for me for things that happened. And I was against so many people. There's like nothing over there, is there? Just no, pump jacks and there, sand. There's right? nothing there. I've worked over there. Before. Um, there was a lot of partying, drinking, and whenever I started, um, uh, like I was what thirteen or fourteen, 
beginning of 14, I started going with my friend places and um, we decided to go to this party. And in that party, there were people who were older, like 17 and older. And um, I still, like I, remem- like, I really don't remember much of what happened because I was fully intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And I started drinking shots and stuff. But well, then, well, let, me, let me stop you there real quick, Angela. Okay. And so, and so... Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're leading into your first point. Okay. And so, and so but which is fine. But um, uh, let me ask you a question before you get to that place. Mm-hmm. Were your parents involved? Was their parents involved growing up? Um, my mom was always there, except that she uh, she was the one working okay. and working hard for us to keep keep okay. us fed and for us to make it through school. She never had a a good spouse that would help her out who she was with. He was nice, but he was uh, drinking every day and not taking care of like the house or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's my mom who struggled through that. And was that the only father figure you ever had? Um, yes. And I mean, to the the degree that he was around or was, was he really not around or, he wasn't really around, like, to help us out. Okay. There was more partying going on in the house. Okay. It was drinking. And this is you growing up as a little kid? Growing up as a little kid, it was a lot of family drinking, okay. playing dominoes, having a good time. And that's how I got into the life. Like, I never thought it was a problem. So now you're, so as we're jumping into this thing, so now here you are, you're 13, so drinking, partying is just a normal part of life. That's was it what, normal? That's what we, that's what we you did. did. We did forget something. You were doing this on your own free will, right? I we are not making you do oh, this, right? So no. one of, yes. So I'm one of the things, real good quick, to say I, I meant to mention. I meant to mention this at the beginning, and and I'm sorry, we're kind of sidetracking here. Oh. But uh, you know, some of the stuff that she's going to be speaking about, it's pretty hard to to hear, and and it's pretty intense stuff. And just want everybody to know, viewers, that everything she's sharing is out of her own free will. She yes. wants to share this because she really believes someone could get help oh, from yeah. this and stuff. And so, I just want to put that out there because I've heard it before, where people share their testimonies, and it's like, why are y'all making them say that you know that's difficult stuff why would you put that out there because they believe that god can help someone through their testimonies so just want to throw that out there before you hear whatever you're going to hear tonight Mm -hmm. in regards to her testimony so so you're 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 13 your partying is a is is a part of life it's normal and so so you're 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 out there just doing your thing yes i was um i started drinking and like, I thought that was a good time for me. Whenever my family, like, whenever they would go out to parties or, like, not parties, it was more like bars and stuff, we would stay home and we would start drinking the alcohol. And that was at an earlier age because me and my sister and my brothers started doing it. And the neighbors would also party with my mom. So we would hang out with those kids and we would do our own thing. Like, I thought it was okay I never looked back at it like like it wasn't good. And our our town is very small, so we don't have anything to have fun. And, you know, we don't have any of that. So, so real just young. just got wasted and stuff, right? Yeah. It, I thought it was. That was a cool thing to do. Yes. Keg stands, things like that. Yeah. Everything was cool. 
<laughs> and but I never paid attention to things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Times when you wake up and you don't even know what went on mm-hmm. and you think everything's okay. Mm-hmm. But it did get to a point where where I woke up and I know something happened. That's and I was in the early 14 right there. I woke up and I was still at that house and I didn't know what was going on. Um, I had things on wrong. Mm-hmm. I was hurting. Mm-hmm. And like I never brought that up to my family, never let my mom know. But I remember after we went back to school, it was a weekend. So when we went back to school, I heard girls talking about me. And it really hurt me. I was just like, I didn't uh, want to hear it. What What was it that they were saying that happened? That I, that I was on a train. Oh, wow. Okay. And I don't remember any of it. So it made me feel little yeah. from the inside. It just broke me apart. Ever since then, I hated everybody. Mm. I went up to the girls and it was like, when they would say stuff, they would try to deny because I became very like real violent. I wanted to fight everybody. So and and so what she's saying is is uh, you know she kind of used a slang term there, but what she's referring to is she's referring to she was I was uh, she was gang raped, gang raped, and uh, at a, at a very early age, and and it what did, did this produce a bunch of aggression in you? It a did b- bunch of hatred for people. I hate it. Bunch of resentment and all that stuff. I now, hate it. The hatred was for people, for yourself, for men, for girls, for everything. Was for the, was it for the life of a party? Yes. Okay. And I wanted to fight everybody, anyone that would mention something about me. I would fight. And I remember I had gone home after that happened. I have gone home, and my sister looked like upset, like. She didn't want me to be around, like, around her. And I never felt like I could talk to somebody. My brother is the one I hung out with all the time. And he was the one that, like, he was mad at me. We fought. But I never mentioned anything to him. But I knew what he, I knew that he was hearing stuff in school. They were both in high school. Because it was a small Mm -hmm. town. Very small. So everything got around. They never addressed you about that? Like no. uh, your brother and sister and stuff? Like no, that? I've been called out of my name before. Mm-hmm. But I already knew. Yeah. Like, when I woke up, it was the worst feeling ever. Yeah. And yeah. to myself, I felt like I couldn't get anybody to help me because it's my fault. Mm. I allowed things to happen. Even though I didn't know what was going on, I felt like it was me. Yeah. I started making myself feel sick to my stomach. Like, I'm a bad person. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have love for myself. I didn't have love for anybody. I just felt so much hate. The more I hated, the more I started drinking and trying drugs. So that kind of led you into, like, an out-of-control spiral of drugs and drinking. Yes. And things of that. And fighting yeah. in the school. I got um, expelled from there. And my mom, she could not take care of me. She's always tried to take care of us. And out of the family, I'm the only one that was in the wrong. I was the one always doing bad stuff because I guess what I went through and nobody knew. um, 
they did a lot better for my mom and me. I just kept messing up yeah. and fighting people in schools. And when I got expelled, I moved to Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I would show up at school because it was a disciplined school. I would show up and I just started taking pills. How was that transition going from a small town like that to a big town, <laughs> to a big city like Denver? It was okay, but I still talked to people in the small town, so I had to go back and I had to find a way back. I remember my my aunt, she and her boyfriend, they used to drink a lot too, and I would stay home with the kids. But whenever they started, um, when I started doing that, I started drinking again. And, like, they're out. They can't see me drink. She used to get on to me for doing that but they started calling her to school because there was days where I was just throwing up because I was taking anything pills that I could buy off the store I would take some and get so sick to my stomach and feel dizzy you didn't even know what they were I don't know what they were I was just taking them because I felt like they could get me out of here and that was mostly in my in my head like, I didn't care about things that happened. So no. it's just escape that. Yes. So you're saying, get me out of here. What do you mean? Like, you're trying to die or you're trying to... At the time... escape reality? I didn't want to be in this world anymore. I wanted to think different. I didn't want to have what life was about. I didn't want it in my mind. I could um, do certain kind of drugs if... They put me to sleep. I woke up be- like that before. I wake up and I'm just like, ugh. Like, because I'm still here. Mm. At the time, I didn't care to live or leave. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in the devil. I just felt like if something happens, it's just going to happen. And I never have to think about anything. Now, the the, the negative progression and digression of your life forward do you link it back to that thing that happened at, at 14? You think it all started there, like that's the, the what yeah. initiated everything? That's Would it not be for that you wouldn't have become that person? No. I I've, I became a very hateful, like, hateful person. That's all I depended on. That's all I just, what would make me happy is if I could hurt somebody. If somebody could go through that, then it'll make me feel a little bit better that people talk about them and not me. Oh, wow. And when that that did stop, it stopped not only because I was fighting, but it just stopped. Like, nobody wanted to deal with me. I started talking to different people. Like, if I think about it now, and I think about everything I've done, it's just like a big question was why? Why did it make me feel good hurting myself? I started, um, that was at the age of 14, and I got in a relationship and everything was going good. I ended up having my daughter at 16. No, 16, Mm. um, 17. 16, I found out, and 17. And I was doing okay. And I started hanging out with my friends again because I wanted to party. I wanted to drink. Are these the same friends from uh, Pecos? Uh, yes, uh, friends from Pecos. But I was 
like I wasn't in the right state of mind instead of trying to become a good mother. And me and uh, my boyfriend, we separated because I chose to, at 18, I chose to get a job and start drinking with my cousins because they were single. And so I wanted to go through the same thing. And that's whenever we split up. And once we split up, like, I just wanted to be in bed all day until I get up and get messed up. I started uh, cutting because I started hating. Like, I just, I wasn't up for life. That's how I feel deep down inside because I've always had hate for now, everything. Now, this, 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 you know, this, what you said, you said, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to live. Were you like that prior to that rape or, or is that? From that rape forward. From the rape forward. Okay. So everything is linked back to that pivotal event that, yes. that derailed your life. Or an all-star. Yes. And you didn't have Jesus. You didn't believe in God. No. There was no hope. So you're you're living in this hopeless little town, these hopeless people going through hopeless situations without Jesus. I was very, very hopeless. Was I didn't it? think nothing could change me. Nothing could help me. Like, did you think, like, would you think, like, is there more to life than this? And it's like, no. I always thought there wasn't. I always thought that my life was going to be dirty the whole time. Oh, wow. I didn't think I had, like, I didn't have anybody to stop and talk to and let them know everything that was going on inside of me. Um, Like, I was on probation before. And a counselor would go and talk to me. I wouldn't share anything. Mm. Like, there was nothing to share. Why? So they could, could think she more tell of that me. You, could she tell that there was, like, something going on with you? That there there were some things inside of you. You, need, you needed to get out, but you just wouldn't let them. Yes. And that's why my mom had um, put me through that counseling thing at home. And it didn't work. Mm. I didn't want, I didn't think anything was possible. Nothing was possible for me. And I thought it was always going to be that way. So where did the uh, back and forth into jail start, the public intoxication, all the way just progressing to that next spot? Whenever I was um, 18 and me and Amarine's dad separated, we started, I started drinking, doing beer runs. Like, I don't even have a car. I'm just going to grab a beer and take off running from the store. Oh, wow. Things like that. How old were you at this point? I was like 19. So you would just walk into a store, uh-huh. grab a case of beer or a beer or a six pack, and just run out. Yes, you, and you ran I pretty fast. Then. And I had I had friends that um, at the time were my friends that would help me, mm-hmm. and that's what we would do. Like I never like people where I'm from, they never thought bad of things that they do. Mm-hmm. Like it was, we had to. We don't have no money. We have to go do this, and that's how it's gonna. Like, we would do that just to hang out and drink. It, I like to get um, to the point where I, I didn't know where I was at. So I, during that time, when I was 19, I started uh, not only pills, but I started going out and taking the Freon from the air conditioners uh-huh. in a bag and really? going other oh, wow. places. And I remember one... I was with a skater. I, I I was never in I was never into 
what is that uh like gangs and stuff i was never yeah. into that i was more into rock and a skater and i would hang out with skaters rock and on. there's one that he would claim he was related to me but we started getting to the point where we're taking out air conditioner i mean the freon and i remember that day in my head like i was running but i was still standing on the same spot and I started yelling, like, help me. She's running after me. And I remember when he shook me and told me, you're not running. And I looked down, and I didn't have the shoes that I thought I had on. Oh, wow. And instead of saying, oh, we can't do that again, it was more like, let's do it again. Oh. How it long does that last? Just, it would last, like, that one lasted like uh, ten to twenty minutes. Oh wow! So so what? I mean, I guess. Uh, so what? You're taking the freon, just huffing it, like sm- inhaling it. Yes, not not even knowing or not caring, no, because um, they had told me before that it could stop you from breathing. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't. I didn't care. I did things that were harmful. As long as it takes me out of this world, like as long as it takes me from thinking, and I could have fun doing this, uh. then that's. That's all I'm going to do. So you wanted that escape. Yes. I wanted the biggest escape. Like So and, and so in the midst of this, so what, you get busted for public intoxication, back and forth in jail? Mm-hmm. Like what is it? Public intoxication meaning alcohol or just high on drugs causing a ruckus? Off both. Okay. Was that your first charge? Um, It was when I was a minor. Um, I was put on probation for assaulting a girl in the house. And I had mm-hmm. my cousin, I had my cousin lock the door from the inside and block the door and lock the other door so she couldn't get out. And I oh, fought wow. her just because I had a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. And she ended up um, running out through an alley and I chased her all the way down. Oh, wow. And there was so much anger inside of me. Like, I never understood why I would put up with it. Like, if that was going to help me. That was like but the... But did you feel like you were being helped at that time? I mean, did you feel like it's it's relieving you in some way? Yes. It was relieving everything that I felt inside of me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to do that mm-hmm. to for people to be scared of me mm-hmm. so people won't talk about me or... So you were trying to make sure people knew you weren't vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. You'd been victimized. Yes. And, and, and I, and I want to say this, though, and this is for our viewers, you know, and uh, as she said, you know, she made a comment here in the beginning. She was like, you know, everything I did was my fault. Well, I, I believe personally, and, and I've dealt with this for many years in, in counseling and dealing with people, I believe she's a victim. I mean, yes, it's one thing to take responsibility for your actions and things. And I, I think that's commendable that she would do that. But she was 14 years old when this stuff happened. She was victimized. The reality is she was a victim. She was a child. And she's not guilty of that. Like, it's not her fault. You know, maybe she was, in the wrong place, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, she shouldn't have been drinking. I, I get it. But to the, you know, and I say that because a lot of people live with that stigma People like Angela that live with the stigma saying, I went through this because it was my fault. Well, it wasn't her fault. Like, she was a victim. She was a victim. She should have been taken care of. She wasn't being cared for. And so ended up in these kinds of dynamics. And so there's, so 
and a lot of people live this crazy life of 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 condemnation and guilt and and contriteness because they feel like I did this to myself when in reality she was just a child. And yes. I mean I see I have kids that are I have kids, I have a son that is her that it was that is right now her age that she was when she was raped. And he's a child. He thinks he's all big and bad, but he's a child. You know what I mean? And, Shut up, Nico. And, and uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Little Gecko. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Little Gecko. <laughs> um, uh, and so I just want to I just want to say that. From, I wanted to say that earlier, but I just want to take the opportunity to say that now. It's like you were a victim. Like someone that you were victimized and taken advantage of. And, and you know... It, it just I'm listening to your story and I'm like getting blown away by what you're saying. Like, what the heck? Like, you know, who can go through stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? And so so how many times were you back and forth in jail, Angela? I actually lost count okay. because oh. I was in there all the every weekend, every weekday. I would get caught and I'll be put up in there. I would call my mom right away so she could take me out and she started just leaving me in there mm. and talk to me about it so after a while I didn't want to call her anymore but it was it was like for a whole it was more than a year just off and on off and on it was all the time so I can't did, keep track of it <laughs> when did those misdemeanors progress into felonies hmm. my I have a lot to go before my felony, oh, okay. but yeah, my felony Would progress. It tell us how does how does it progress? Well, it was all the fighting and stuff, and I started feeling like I could depend people. My, I mean, no, not depend. I could help them okay. because I would still hang around with um, a few of my friends, my cousin, and um, they would um get picked like if something was happening with them they would call me right away we're about to they're oh here trying to fight us and i would drive from midland all the way to odessa to the club that they were at and i would start a fight oh, wow. because they couldn't take care of themselves mm-hmm. i've always felt like i have to that they had to depend on me to mm-hmm. do everything that i've done wrong and i would end up in jail things like that because at the time i did i didn't care it's like I never had time. Uh, I never had enough care for my life that I would do stuff for others. And now, now I see that, and I haven't really talked to them anymore. So you're saying you would put no. your life in danger for other people? I would do it. Uh, you 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 had such a disregard for your own life that you would put your life in danger for other people mm-hmm. just so that you someone could because. You felt like they depended so on you. So nobody would hurt them. No one so they could depend them. on me to yeah. fight for them because that's all they knew me for. Mm-hmm. Oh, after wow. I became that and after all the fighting, everything that I did, they started depending on me. And I'll be locked up and they'll be partying at my house. I was paying my own bills. I was taking care of myself because either, even though I was always messed up, I was showing up to work. Not even sober. So you're responsible. You're yes. a responsible alcoholic, drug addict, whatever. Like you were <laughs> yes. responsible. Like you were still took care of business. Yes. Oh, That's wow. one thing I feel yeah. like I had to take care of everything. Mm. Wow. And I would more stay away like from my family, like my brother, my mom, all of them, because they would get upset with things that I would do. Now, and, uh, and, and just to clarify, like you're saying like 
out of all your family, your brothers and sisters, right? How many mm-hmm. brothers do you have? I have two brothers and one sister. So you were the only one that came out like this? <laughs> yes. So, so. Yes, and my brother, my little brother goes through depression. I went through a lot of depression. And it was all linked back to that stuff. Now, mm-hmm. yes. you had mentioned that you were cutting. You started cutting. I mean, has the cutting progressed now as it's moving forward? It did. Because at the time, um, whenever I picked up my charge, because I would cut before, I wouldn't cut so deep. And um, I went ahead and I got with my boyfriend, and he was living with me at the time. My brother needed to move with me, so he did. And um, our relationship was not good. We had parties every day. He cheated on me every day. Mm. And so instead of me, like, letting him go, I would cheat on him, too. Mm. And I would have people there partying all the time. Mm. And um, it got to that point, and I had a friend who was um, staying there. She's from Odessa. She's not, she wasn't my friend. But she's the one that they started a relationship while I was at work. Oh, wow. And that's when I found out. Um, I think my cousin is the one that told me, and when she told me about it, nothing went through my mind, like, oh, he never, like, you know, I knew he cheated on me, but it was with a girl that I would allow stay at my house. So that day, we, I would not leave it alone. I was pregnant with my daughter, and um, we showed up at this motel where I heard they were at. Is this what led to the aggravated assault? Yes. Okay. So just let me say before she talks about that, um, and so because I want you to give, give us some clarity. When I met you at parole, I had asked the um, the chaplain because uh, I you know I could kind of get a, a preview of what your charges were. Mm-hmm. So everybody that I dealt with with at parole, I like I could I had had access to your records and stuff and things of that sort, and so. I, something happened with your situation, and I was like, and so they had mentioned to me that you had gone to prison for uh, two counts of, of attempted murder. That wasn't it correct, was, though, right? It was aggravated assault with a so deadly weapon. Was it event- Was it initially attempted murder, but then they dropped it down to? It, at first, that's what they were seeing it as, but both of them survived, okay. and I only got oh, charged with one person. Okay, okay. Okay, so now share the story. Okay. Um I remember I heard they were at this motel, so I went ahead and went with my cousin. And my cousin, was he was already wasted. So we went there, and I called him out. And before the girl, she was crying in there. And I went ahead and keyed her car. And I wanted her to come out, but instead, my daughter's dad came out. And um, we we were just going at it. So whenever I drove off, he threw um, a lot of those brick things to my window, and that's whenever I wrecked. Mm. The car would not start again, and my cousin took off walking. I have no idea where. But I started looking. I was using my friend's car, and I was looking through the seats. I was looking for something because I could see him walking towards me. And I was um, sober at that time. Like, Mm. I was pregnant. I was sober. But I remember I was looking for something, and I found a knife. And it was more like a big butcher-looking knife. Mm -hmm. So whenever I got it, I walked 
towards him with the knife in, behind my back. Mm. And so when he didn't even see it. He didn't even know that I had it. And when he started uh, waving his arms and saying stuff, I stabbed him. Oh, wow. Where did you stab him? On the stomach. He had to have surgery through there. Oh, wow. And that's the first person you stabbed? Yes. And so then how did what happened after that? What did he do when you stabbed him? He started walking away, going back to the room and... Like he just got quiet and just... Yes, stayed. and started running, like going back to the room. How big was the knife? And I was still... Like a big butcher knife? Mm-hmm. And you just ran it through him? Oh, wow. I did. He came and he was swinging his arms talking and he I just... just went... Boom. Mm. That was it. Were you full of blood? Did he start bleeding? Did my hand. Um, I have a scar where the... I don't know how it cut me, but it also cut my hand okay. up. And he... um. He took off. He took off running back, and for some reason, I didn't think of throwing the knife or putting it up. Yeah. I just kept walking, like going back to the room with the knife in my hand. Oh, wow. Nothing going through my mind about that knife. And so you're like blacked out. I mean, you're like blacked out in anger, or I was whatever. in anger. I had so much anger, and whenever that happened, I was on the backside of the motel, and. Um, his friend, they called him Smiley. I don't, I never knew him in person, but he came out and he was saying a lot of stuff. And my cousin like went up to him and trying to fight him, but my cousin was on the floor. I remember he was throwing, hitting on him on the head with the brick and my, bro- my cousin was just laying there. So I came up to him and that's when I blacked out because I don't know how many times I stabbed him. You stabbed oh, that guy wow. Smiley. A lot. And he's the one that almost passed. He mm-hmm. went through so many surgery. And whenever I did that, I just, the ambulance went and picked us up. And I was, my hand was bleeding, but they still picked us up. My cousin's head was like. He busted his head wide open, so my cousin was there, too, at the hospital. So the dude had mm. beat up your cousin pretty bad. He was severely yes. injured. And, and, that, you, and you stabbed that guy. And I started stabbing him, yes. But he managed to survive. Yes, he survived. And, um, your cousin survived, too. That's whenever, like a week after all that happened, I only got charged with, uh, with, my, with my ex. He's the one that put charges on me. But the oh, other, okay. guy, the other guy refused to put it because he was going to come after me. Uh, and were they were they gang affiliated? Um, they weren't. And but except for that guy, I don't know because he had just got out of prison, so I didn't know what was going on with him. I'm sure, he mm. was probably yes. Affiliated. Yeah, he had accidents um, that were in Monahans, okay. and he was in Pecos visiting. Okay. And when that happened, like, I started, um, at the time, I was in fear of my life because, like, later on when he got better and out of the hospital, he was um, trying to figure out where I stayed. And they went to my friend's house and were knocking on the door trying to call me out. And I didn't come out. Like, no. Like, so that's whenever I went on the run and whenever I called my mom 
Because so you were on the run because they were going to take your life. Yes. Yeah, was you on the run from them or the cops too? Or I both? was on the run from both. Oh, okay. But they had greenlit you like they were going to, I mean, they put a green light on you to kill you or something? Um, he said he was. Okay. And after that, um, like whenever I got out, okay, um, I went to, I tried to get a hold of my mom because I wasn't working anymore and I needed a little help. But she had mentioned to me that I have to turn myself in because yeah. they're looking for me. So I ended up turning myself in. So, okay, so wow. before you talk about that, uh, uh-huh. so um, uh, is that green light still on or is it gone? Is he done? Is he I think on? it was more gone because they never. They never came looking for They never for you. came yeah. looking for me. Okay. Like he was looking at, for me for a while. And I think he just got stuck in his habits. Mm. and Forgot all about it. Yeah. Okay. I was like, forget. So then you, so then you turned yourself in. I turned myself in, and that's whenever I was put on going to court and everything. I was put on probation, but really, yeah, really? And tr- for that I was put on probation, and I tried living like I tried, but I couldn't. I had to drink, do drugs, and at the time I was doing a lot of spray paint. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how my life, it was just the same routine every day. So it day. didn't matter that Nothing you, were risking, you were risking going to prison, but you had to follow your probation, and you, it didn't matter. It was just like, I'm going to do drugs, I'm going to drink. Yes. And you just bound. Mm. So what happened that landed you in the 10 years in prison? I got married to my... Husband and I've been off and on with him before, so. So you violated your probation then? You violated your probation? Yes. Okay. Because I was still stuck in the same habits, and I ended up dirty, mm. and they were going to lock me up, and I went ahead and I cut the monitor, and I went on the run. Oh, wow. Like, I wasn't, I was planning on going somewhere we could go to Mexico or somewhere they won't find me. You did the race. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And like I was still in Pecos and we stayed with at his friends. And two days later, the parole, no, not the parole, the bonds lady knocked on the door and I was so high. I was just like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And she stood there and said, come here. And I was like, I tried to go on the run, and there was police cars in the back. Oh, wow. So. So they tried to like actually run. run. You tried to run. I ran. I tried to get out the window anywhere. Wow. Uh. So I went back um, to the front because there's no way I could run. I'd rather have her yeah. take me to jail. Yeah. Yeah. And I really didn't want to go to the police station. I'd rather be at the sheriff's department. So yeah. I went with her, and that was it. Dang. How'd they know it. that you were there? I don't know. Somebody she just them? showed up there and found me. I never found out who. Yes, I never her. found out who Snitch. told or what. So what? How many years did they? So then you went to prison. Then that they got you went to the sheriff's sheriff's office, yes. and then they what they. Whenever I went over there, they were trying to give me twenty, and from Ooh. twenty they went down to ten. 20 years in prison, and then Ooh. they dropped it down to 10 years in prison. 10 and one month. I yeah. never knew why I got 10 in a month. <laughs> but that's for what they... For good measure, though. That's uh-huh. good measure. <laughs> so that's, why, that's what they got for me, and I went. 
And that was it. That was, I got 10 years and one month and I, and I was there and I was around people. I was always fighting in there, defending myself because there was a lot of. So what, what unit were you at? I was at hobby unit. So, so. And that's a maximum period. So I know we have a lot more to talk about. So I want to, I want to save. I wanted to ask you what was your what was it like your first day in prison prison, but but I I I I want to do a segment where we talk about the prison life like what's it like to be in prison, um yeah. so so vaguely just vaguely and I know people are gonna get mad because I always hear the feedback it's like we want to know about their time in prison <laughs> how did they go in prison and it's like and I'm gonna we're working on a segment about that an episode about that but there's so much to our story that I want to capture on this one. Um, so I, I don't want her to go too much into detail okay. because there's so much we can talk about prison. There's a lot. <laughs> um, but vaguely, so you're stepping foot in prison now. What, um, what's going on? Okay. While I was in the county, I found out that I was going to have my son. Oh, okay. And so I was hoping that, oh, hopefully before, that was before prison, I was still in county, and I was just hoping not to get a lot of time or for them to... Like to do something, give me less time. Mm-hmm. And because I had found out that I was pregnant with my son and. So you were pregnant in prison? In prison. Did you have oh, him in wow. prison? I had him in prison. Wow. Oh, wow. And I remember <laughs> that was like whenever I was pregnant in prison with him, it was like my comfort. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. It was a comfort. And um, how I was that, how, how in Galveston. Like how did that affect you, you know, having your son in prison? Like at the time, I really didn't talk to my mom because I had so I had anger in me, and she was trying to change me. And mm-hmm. so, whenever I came out pregnant, I I heard in the prison where we were at, they said if um, somebody in our family or nobody picks them up, they're gonna send them straight to uh, what Foster. is it? Foster. Foster. Oh wow. Foster. And I contacted my mom right away, and she's the one that went and picked them up. Like they oh, let wow. her know that I was there, but it's I was in prison in a Galveston, and mm-hmm. it's um only for medical. Oh, okay, it's only for medical. So there in Galveston, um, I I didn't have the real prison time. It was mm. like everything was good there, and then um uh, after I had him, they moved me to hobby unit. Okay, and that's where. I didn't have a cell where I could just walk out of. They had me in a cell block, like, where you have okay. to be in. So and the general population? I know I went through depression, mm. and, like, everything was good. I was a quiet person. I was keeping to myself, and... Did and you I, ever think about Jesus or anything during this time, no. at this point? You no. You never think about Jesus? Or oh, no. So, so in, in prison there, I mean... All those tattoos are all prison tattoos, or are they from another um, world? So now you're pretty tattooed all over. <laughs> tattooed up. Are they Most part- of them are all prison. There's some that I have that I already had, but I yeah. can't even tell anymore. Okay. What would y'all use for ink? Um, we would use color pencil. Oh, okay. The black and with water in it, and I can't mm. believe that would actually stay in my skin. So oh, wow. how many how many years? I mean, out of the ten, did you serve, or did you do all ten? 
Uh, no, I only did six. So that's where I met you at Pearl. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. Now, before I, before we go into that part, I mean, so you said you were cutting, 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 cutting. Yes. You still cutting now? Has it has it progressed into art stuff? It's been like the last time that I cut was two years ago. Put your mic closer to your mouth, Angela. Oh, it was like two years ago. The last time that I cut. Okay. Oh. Okay. And so it's progressed. You said you used to cut a little bit, and then it progressed from that. Yeah, when I was um, younger, I would cut a little bit. When I ended up in prison, I would cut more. It would be deeper? And yes, it would be deeper, and it was you more. you have the scars of all that stuff? Yes, I. Can, can oh, you, wow. uh, my, Daniel, can we get a close-up on the scarring of the cut? You know, I've, I've heard people, I've heard people. Yeah, I have too. Heard uh, say they cut, but I see their cuts, and they're like tiny little, yeah. little tiny cuts like this. But, I mean, that's I've never seen... Well, severe cutting like that. I mean, that looks like uh, you went through a meat grinder. Um, you know what I mean? This, these big ones, they were kind of weird. Like, okay. what did you cut with a razor blade, a knife? I razor mean, that looks blade. Pretty crazy. That looks mm. like that looks like you sliced yourself like a brisket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Um. I've never seen anything so severe like that. That looks crazy. I mean, that looks. What was the purpose in that? Like to feel something? I then? didn't feel. I never felt pain. Oh, okay. And the blood would comfort me. Oh. So, so you let yourself just bleed out? Just, just bleed. I mean, mm. those are pretty deep ones. I mean, you, so I'm pretty sure you bled out pretty crazy. Like pretty profusely. It bled stuff, a right? lot. And um, this one, you can't see it because I tattooed over it. Mm-hmm. But this one that I had going up, I think I was drunk. And I was so mad. And whenever I was going to cut, my brother pulled me away because... To the side cuts, they're not for suicidal, but going up was more a suicidal thought. And that's Mm -hmm. whenever my brother pushed me away. My mom had to show up over there. The ambulance went and picked me up, and I ended up in the hospital. And uh, my mom went to go pick me up, and I thought everything was like, okay, I'm sitting there waiting to go home. But she gets a hold of the sheriff, and the sheriff took me to the sheriff's department, and they put me in a room with cloth over me, like those mm-hmm. paper clothes. Yeah, yeah. And he held me there until I got off being so suicidal, and my mom went and picked me up later on at night, like 12 a.m., picked me up and took me home. So I remember when we met at parole. Uh, you know, I, okay, so one of the things that I remember about parole, and I mention this all the time, and I probably mention this when I'm talking about all my parolees, is uh-huh. that I can't tell who's interested in coming to church and who's interested because everybody's so stoned-faced. <laughs> you know what I mean? And no one, no one, no emotion, no nothing. I mean, I'm doing what I got to do, and I'm like, man, I hope this is getting across to somebody. And no one seems to be interested, but then people respond, Casey, you, other people in the church that we have. Now, now, what, at that point at parole, when you're hearing me talk about Jesus, the church, is that where you said, okay, I want Jesus, or had Jesus already come into the picture a little bit before that? Uh, Jesus got into my picture in 2015. Okay. Because. Praise God. You want to keep the microphone close to your oh, mouth? You can okay. Move it. You can move it if you want to. So when I was in prison, I was already three, three, or three years already into prison or mm-hmm. four because I, I got put in close custody for fighting and oh wow 
Me and my friends, they put us all in close custody. So you were a troublemaker in prison. Gangsta. Very. Okay. You like, never got gang related. I just wanted a, yeah, never. But I just wanted to fight people. Okay. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I would fight so much, but it'll make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Like, people can't mess with me because I'm going to fight them. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, I ended up in close custody and. I started cutting more because I'm stuck in a room. What am I mm-hmm. going to do in here? Mm-hmm. And I was fighting with other people over. I'm not going to yell over the door. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it would comfort me. And I would sit and just cut and watch blood come down. Mm-hmm. And I got put in medium custody after doing eight months in close custody. I went to medium custody. That's more severe, right? Uh, no, close custody is severe, and they moved me straight down. Oh, okay. Yeah, from the fight that I had, they put me down there. Um, When I was in medium custody, I had a little bit more freedom, like, to go to chow and stuff. I wasn't eating in my cell. And um, my husband, he kept writing me that he cannot do it anymore, that he just doesn't want to be here anymore, and... I wouldn't read in my Bible. I was just like, what What can I write him to comfort him? And I thought about it. Well, he's a Catholic. He believes in God. Mm-hmm. So I got the Bible out of my box and started trying to find comfort scriptures for him. But instead, like, it turned and it gave me different. Mm-hmm. Like, it started, my heart just felt so so like God's real. word started to minister to you, and you, you yes, that's, that's amazing. and that's what my friend was talking about on a phone that I started that I looked happy, and because I felt it, I felt so light. My heart felt real happy, bubbly, like it was just it got a hold of my heart. Wow, and you weren't even looking Praise for that. God. I was not looking for that it. That just goes that's to awesome. prove the power of God's <laughs> yes. word. How, how we always say, like God's word is living; it's a living thing. It'll affect you. I mean, here's a person, Angela, wasn't even looking for that. Yet <laughs> the fact that she was reading God's Word started to affect her positively. Wow, it's powerful. I remember I was looking for scriptures, and then that hit me. And it went to Psalms 11.3, if the foundations are broken. And it said that one. So I read that one, and it took me directly to Psalms 10. In Psalms 10, it's talking more about how the enemy goes and, you know, he attacks us. Whenever I read that, it just broke me apart. Really? Yes. That's amazing. Wow. Like, what did it do to you? I mean, what, what, it just. Like, it just, it had a hold of me and, like, I started um, reading more and getting more into it. And that's whenever I woke up my bunkie and told her, hey, like, I gave myself to God. I prayed and I actually gave God my. Like, I gave him my life because wow. I want to live for him. Praise God. It was Amen. more that I heard, and I went ahead and woke her up and told her all that. And like she said, she's seen a different person in me. Wow. I did not cut anymore. Oh, wow. I didn't cuss everybody out anymore. Really? And I stayed out of fights. Praise God. I mean, yes. that's just that's powerful. That just goes to prove God's power. And, I mean, I think that's kind of awesome. That's very awesome because... I mean, you weren't even searching for that yet. God just grabbed no. a hold of you, and I mean, I believe that God can do that. You know, I, I, I you know, but to hear you say that, I'm like, wow, God's word is indeed powerful. And so, so from there, so from there, you end up at parole. 
right? You get paroled. Um, yes, in 2017. And then, so you're there, and I'm there at the... You're at the parole. Metro Medi- IPO one. Yes. Uh, orientation. What, what was it about, Pastor, you know, just caught was, you? Was which, like, that's what I was going to ask. You. Like, I was asking Casey that the other day, too. Like, <laughs> like he was like, man, like, he was telling me what he was feeling as I was talking. But I want to hear that because you can't tell based on your face, like, you're looking at people at parole, and there's lots of people that are just looking at you. Yeah, like, that is true. We're all so, just sitting there like. So as I'm there doing my spiel, I want to know, like, what what are you thinking? I heard you talking, and I was like, hey, I want to go to that church. Like, not the other churches. I wanted to. I was um, interested in coming over here, and um, that's when I let you know. But I was on the monitor, so I didn't I think remember, I was going to be able to yeah, come. Yeah, I remember that, because I was Casey too. And. <laughs> I still remember we were at my apartment. My mom was there, and they were stepping outside, and you went and left me the mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. so I, to invite me. Yeah. And the letters, right? The, the letters. letters of of uh, of uh, it was invitation letters of invitation for your parole officer. Yes, I remember getting those, and then you're already leaving, and I showed my mom, "I'm gonna go to church. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go." <laughs> yeah. What she say? She was happy. She's still like she doesn't go to church or nothing, but she's happy for how I am, how oh, okay. I feel. That's awesome. And that all that I used to have, yeah. everything that I used to have, that it's not there anymore. Praise so, God. so you you get out, you get out on parole. You're on the monitor. I do the letters invitation. It you know it takes a little bit f- to get you you know get the whole process going, but then we get you in church. You're here on the monitor, right? You're here on yes. the monitor. You got to go home a certain time, things of that sort. Yes. And then, um, and so you're here. You're doing good. But then you start to struggle. Um, yes. I uh like I guess in prison I wasn't able to do a lot of things that I could do out here. Mm-hmm. But I was on the monitor and I would still I'm coming from work. I used to walk to work, which was at the Golden Walk. Mm-hmm. And on the way back I could stop at the store and buy stuff. So I started buying alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that in like that inside me, like, it gave me a different feeling. Like, it's not good for me to start having fun and pick up my bad habits again. So slowly, I stopped coming to church. Mm-hmm. I, I was that. coming here for, I was in here for a while, and then I slowly stopped. Yeah. And I because remember, I remember kind of like like seeing you dwindle away, and I was kind of like, man, like, I would reach out to you, be like, hey, hey come to church, come to church, come to church. And I was like, well... Mm-hmm gotta work i gotta work or i gotta work this sunday and i was like angela you gotta be in church man mm-hmm. and i have people call you i remember uh this girl named erica used to pick you up i remember lauren used to go pick you up mm-hmm. and it's uh, when lauren would pick me up yeah. is at the time when i started okay falling off yeah mm-hmm. and i remember it was like oh, work gotta work this happened that happened i was like man and and i i saw the progression backwards and then eventually you just stopped coming right i went into my bad habit mm-hmm. And not even drinking with people who live here in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Let's be on a f- video chat, mm-hmm. talking to my friends from way over there and mm-hmm. drinking, having a good time. Mm. Oh, having a good time. Having a good time. It's what I. And yeah. now it's like, I see all those times and they made me this little again, yeah. but try to have so much in me, like. And then things just unraveled. I met. Um, you, you don't have to say his name. Uh, you know, you don't say his name. But <laughs> I <laughs> met. Uh, <laughs> I met. I met him in Peru. Yeah, and uh, and and 
I remember, okay, so keep it 100 for people who don't know. Like, I've known Angela. I worked with her, ministered to her. I saw everything she did when she was coming back and forth, whatever. One day she showed up with this vato, and I knew her off the bat that dude's bad news, man. <laughs> I was like, this dude is bad news, man. And, yeah. uh, and I, of course, as her pastor, I'm concerned for her, man. But yeah, I, we don't control people, you know what I mean? And we try to help them, you know, do what's right, live for God. And so she's with this vato, and I'm like, man, this dude is bad news, whatever. And, um, you know, she comes that one day. You came that one service, and then we didn't see you again. And then, so everything is just going out of control, drugs, alcohol, I'm sure. And then what happens? I was on, on alcohol more, and then I started doing drugs with him. After the church and everything, he was doing, he was stuck on meth. And I was working all the time, and I couldn't, like, I couldn't handle the things that he wouldn't, he wasn't looking for a job, he wasn't doing anything, I always had my job, but then at the same time, I was going through depression again, and I started um, doing meth with him. Oh, wow. Have you ever done it before that? No. I've never done it before, and then I started doing it, and it took everything out of me. How I felt for myself, I wasn't that high. Like, I wasn't in good anymore. I don't know why, like, I felt like I had to take care of what he depended on, what he was stuck on. So, but we would go through that in so many fights. We would fight so much. And whenever I would go back to my brother's apartment, my brother had gave me a choice. He told me for me not to let him in the house anymore. But if I want to be with him, to get my stuff and go with him. And that's mm. what I chose. Instead of staying with my mm. brother, oh, wow. I chose to leave. Wow. And um, we had our own place for a while. And we lost that house. And we moved in just with friends who's also addicted and drinking. I would come from work. And I started going, like, I started going to work, like, just high. I don't even remember how I would speak to my customers because I was a cashier. Mm-hmm. And... um like, I just remember the downfalls. I remember that. But then uh, we had this accident. So, and yeah, so that, so in the midst of all this craziness yes. of spiral control drugs back with this vato that we knew was bad news, you know, uh, you were pretty, pretty, I guess, infatuated with him, I guess. You were infatuated with him. I, I don't mm. know what. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, something <laughs> was keeping you there with this vato, man. They were like, dang, man. And so then, then one night, y'all are out partying, whatever. What are you doing? That that, that every day, wreck. every day was partying. Every mm. day was seeing those drugs, drinking. Like my life was not normal anymore. I couldn't go to my brother's because he was upset with me for leaving in the first place. And every time I did go places, like, he would follow me. Even if I get on the bus, he would follow me, um, Mm. my ex. So I remember one night I took off walking, and I was trying to leave from there, but I couldn't call anybody to go pick me up. And I stayed in front of a store that was closed. It was a rainy day, and I remember I started talking to God. Mm. But whenever I was talking to him, I was, it was more out of anger, blaming him. 
Like, mm. why, why can't you hear me? Why don't you do this for me? Why? Like, I was asking him why everything. Like, why can't you help me right now? And after I prayed or talked to God, I just went back where I was at my friend's house and started drinking again, doing mm. drugs. And then, like, after that, I showed up to work messed up again. And it just became a habit every day. And then the accident happened. When the accident happened, we were already on Fredericksburg. And I don't remember much about the fight or what the doctors had said. And people came with different so let me just Stories. interject there for her real quick. So she doesn't remember all this stuff yeah. because she was she nearly died. So what happened was, um, so we get a phone call one day and we we were told that that Angela was in a very bad car accident and mm. that she's probably not going to make it through the night. And so uh, you know we get this phone call. Me and my wife jump in the car, um, and so we're like we're like what the heck? We're like where's she at? And so they tell us where she's at, and so we race to the hospital. And um, uh, I don't know if it was, I, I can't remember, I can't remember exactly all the details. I don't know if it was, it was the same day or the next day or a few days after. But when we get to the hospital, I mean, it's a bad scene, man. And I mean, you know, we talked to the doctors. I think we talked to Abraham too. I don't know if we talked to Abraham. Maybe we did. I don't think Abraham was there. Maybe he was. Yeah, he was When there. I went, when me and my wife went. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we... Uh, uh the doctor was the doctor was like uh we don't think she's gonna survive mm-hmm. and they're we were like well what happened and they're like whoa she got in a real bad wreck and so they started you know so what we were told by the doctor which stories are varying based on what people are saying but no one was really there to tell you except her ex but what i was told by the doctor when we were there was that they were driving drunk this dude runs a stop sign. Like I said, this could be wrong, but this is what I was told. Uh, which her injuries pretty much, you know, showed that it could have, it very possibly was true. Ran a stop sign. He T-boned a car. Mm. She flew through the windshield. Oh, wow. Ended up on the other side of the road, and a car runs her over. Mm. So her her skull is cracked open. She broke her legs. Mm. My hips. Broke her hips. Oh, wow. Uh, what else? I mean, you were, I mean, when we went to the hospital, it was bad. I mean, I, what do you remember from there? I mean, I, I'm, it was pretty severe. It was kind of like, what the heck happened? I don't remember anything. I, um. It's a mic. Oh, I didn't really remember anything like in May because it happened in. April 20th is when I showed up, ended up in the hospital. But around May is when, I mean, I've woke up before, I think. But in May when I woke up, I was just looking, looking at myself. And I didn't feel any pain because all the pain that I had, I wasn't in the right, in the right sti- state of mind. Mm-hmm. So this time when I woke up, I was already thinking, right? And I didn't feel pain. But... I was just, I was just wondering, like asking myself what what's going on, and I tried talking to a nurse, but I noticed I had pipes in my yeah. throat, so I couldn't talk. Mm. 
And um, so, so it I, was. Oh. Yeah, no. And so, just to kind of help her along, I mean, she, she, you know, first of all, I just want to say this is uh, the dude that she was with left her for dead. Oh, I mean, wow, I mean, she was yes. left for dead there. I mean, that dude took off running like a coward, and uh, and uh, left her there. Um, you know, so they ended up getting her to the hospital. When I went to go see, when the, the first time I went to go see her, and the, the doctors were like, "Man, severe." They were like, "She doesn't remember people. She doesn't remember stuff." But I remember that me and my wife walked in, and as soon as she saw me, she was like, "Pastor," like she voiced. She mouthed "Pastor." She was like, "What's up?" And I was like, hey, "What's up?" And so. I don't know if you remember that. When mm-hmm. I, oh, she doesn't remember that. I don't remember a lot. Oh, when she saw me, she was like, Pastor. Like, she saw me. She was like, oh, that, that's Pastor. And she was like, help me, help me. She kept on mouthing, help me. And so I was like, why is she saying that? I took the, I told the nurse. I was like, well, she goes, well, they had her strapped up. I mean, all strapped up. And they were like, she's very combative. They were like, oh. she keeps trying to get off the bed. And, a and fighter. So, we, so we had to strap her down. And uh, and so she was like, she doesn't understand why she's here, the nurse was saying. And so, I mean, it's so you'll see the pictures. We're going to roll in the pictures there. But, you know, she part of her skull is missing. Mm-hmm. Her face is all indented. I mean, it's, it was a, she wasn't supposed to make it. I mean, this girl is a miracle, man. And, um, and uh, so she's like, help me, help me, help me. And I'm like, and so I remember I grabbed her hand. Me and my wife were there, and we grabbed her hand, and we're like, Angela, we're like, you were in a severe accident. You almost died. So we're trying to tell her, like, you're, these people are trying to take care of you. They're going to they're gonna help you get better. And she's like, what? Like, she's looking at us kind of like, like, what? Like, how? Like, no, no. We're like, you were in a severe accident, Angela. Like, you almost died. Like, there's people are trying to help you. They're trying to make you get better. And she's kind of like, what? Like, no. Like, she doesn't, rem- she can't, she can't recognize, she cannot understand that she's, like, she's broken. Her entire body is broken up, man. And, uh, and so we're like, so then me and my wife started praying for her and stuff. And then she kind of calmed down. And so the nurse was kind of, oh, cool. Like, I guess she gets it. Like she, she's calming herself down. And then from there, man, the recovery process just began, but she doesn't remember a lot of that stuff, but we remember it cause we were there and, uh, and her family was there and stuff. And it was just a severe, severe, uh, situation. But the, the powerful part about this horrible wreck is that. God got a hold of her. And so talk about that. Um, like, I don't remember a lot in the hospital, but whenever I got out, I remember I was sitting on my bed because I couldn't, I was, um, I couldn't move for eight months. I was only able to be on a wheelchair mm. and I had to be put on there and stuff. So I remember I was sitting in bed and I started talking to God, like asking him, like just praying and when I was praying I started speaking in tongues that I didn't think I knew but I remember like he was there talking to me and he gave me a verse to he was answering my question the questions that I had when I was arguing and asking him why this why that and it was in Micah 3 4 about how he doesn't he turns from it because I was stuck in my deeds and I did have very bad ones. Mm. And it was like, that's what I wanted to know. And that's what I got ever since then. I just, I was just into my, into my Bible and things. And I think I had contacted you before and send you some scriptures, especially from, 
from Revelations and mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. I, I remember it's Revelations 21. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things. Yeah. And it just changed my life completely. So, and so it was a long road to recovery. I mean, she went through some, I mean, it was a long road recovery. And then um, one day she's just like, you know, we're like, you know, she's like, I'm going to go back to church, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and then she's, uh, she's, how long have you been back now, Angela? I came back. Since the accident, right? I mean, I mean, well, how long has it been? Like you've been here because I know you been, you visited once and you got really sick mm-hmm. and then you when the, I was Abraham on the wheelchair Abraham was like Nah man don't don't be taking her to church like she's like she mm-hmm. can't handle that but oh, now wow. that you're better how 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 long has it been It's been a few months right Um, my last surgery was October mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and right after that I was still not healed all the way that one takes because I had an ileostomy bag mm-hmm. and once um. That was removed. That's what I had told my brother. I want to go back to church. And Praise God. I started coming back. Praise God. Yes. And now she's back and uh-huh. uh, yeah. turn it up for Jesus. Stronger yeah. than ever. And, uh, and, you know, it just, it, it goes to prove, in the, and that guy, just in case you know, that guy's facing how many years now? Right now, um, they're trying to give him 30 years. So. so And he's trying to ba- battle it, but the DA let me know that they're not going to give him less. Okay, so oh, wow. so that guy's probably gonna go away for a while and stuff. Yes, and uh, he should. And uh, and uh, you know, but you know, the powerful thing about this is that a great story uh, example of God's power, yeah. restoration, healing, and uh, it's just a blessing <laughs> to have her uh, back here in the church. And uh, and I mean, you know, you hear these stories, and I mean, I mean, all these testimonies that you're gonna hear, and the ones that are gonna follow this one and stuff. I mean, you hear the story, it's like, how how, how do these people survive this stuff, man? You know, but that's God. God is a sovereign, powerful God, and and I believe that God spares these people uh, because there's a reason for it. It's purpose, yeah. and I believe that Angela's testimony is. I believe people are going to hear this testimony. They're going to be like, "Wow!" Like you know what? There's hope for her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's hope for me. Yeah. You know, and so so, uh, and I'm sure God's going to do a lot more things in Angela's life. Um, I want to, I want to conclude the interview right here, Angela. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you would like to add before we conclude it? Things, something important that you might want to say, or, I mean, cause we could always bring you back and speak oh. on mm-hmm. other topics. It was, um, I left, um, out whenever I was in the hospital before I got into the right state of mind. Um, I had a dream and there was more like light like that beside me. Mm-hmm. And whenever... I remember I had looked at it in my dream, and it left it up. Mm-hmm. And after that, I that's when I started yelling for God. Mm. And that's whenever I finally woke up, and I was just looking around mm-hmm. different things that were wrong with me. And the nurse came. I, I tried talking to her, but I realized I didn't have a voice either. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. that was just something that stayed on me. Yeah. And that right there is what... When that happened, I, I feel like an, like God had an angel next to me. Praise God. He had something, and I know that he saved me for, like, I have a lot of reasons mm-hmm. to yeah. just praise God and yeah, believe definitely. in him because before. And I, I can say this, it. I mean, I re, you know, and I've known Angela prior to the accident to now, and, I, and I've told Angela before, you know, I've told her, said, man, your spirit and your attitude, Prior to, I mean, as saved as she was, trying to live for God, whatever, 
her attitude, her spirit before the accident to now is a to- to- totally different thing. Mm. It's it's a totally different. You can see the, the the newness of the conversion and the impact of God upon her life. Praise God. Even more so vividly now than before. And I believe there's the, you know everything we go through. It's not in vain, man. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know perfect example of of what God. Try to do what's trying to do in our lives. She's a perfect example of that. Yeah, is is her test? You know everything that she's been through, and here she is, and now she's, you know, even a better version of herself now after the accident because of what Christ has done and the impact He's had and what she's been through than she was she ever was before, and and living the best life she can now for Jesus and being able to really help others and understanding yes. that everything you get, you went through wasn't in vain. You know what no. I mean? And so that's the hope we're trying to convey. And so we're going to conclude uh, the interview there uh, tonight. And so just want to uh, uh, remind you, um, uh, you know, just uh, keep following us. Um, give us your comments. Um, let us know what else you want to hear. We're working on all these other interviews, uh, conversations, and we're, we're going to get to Casey's um, uh, prison time. And then we're going part to, two. you know, part two and, and you know, <laughs> continue from there and stuff but um but uh you know don't forget um uh continue to share these videos i mean i I guarantee you people will be impacted by this stuff and uh powerful powerful testimony thank you angela for being with us tonight and uh we're gonna sign out uh luis perez sign out case 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 and you know demon killer amen all right and so all right man we're signing out see you later man